Next Generation Innovators is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. Hi there, I'm Alicia Stevenson, Chief Commercial Officer at Future Women and your host again for Next Generation Innovators, a podcast in partnership with Oz Industries Entrepreneurs Program. My guest today is Dr. Evelyn Chan, CEO of Smileyscope. For children, getting a needle can be pretty scary. Enter Smileyscope. Smileyscope calms kids down by hooking them up to virtual reality so they've got something else to focus on whilst they're getting needles at the hospital. Dr. Evelyn Chan, welcome to Next Generation Innovators. Thanks so much for having me, Alicia. Can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of Smileyscope? Sure. So, I mean, my first job in medicine was a surgical resident, actually. And on my first weekend, I had two 14-hour shifts each day. And I was asked to put in like 14 IV cannulas on top of all the other work that I was doing. So this is when you put in a little straw that goes into the vein into patients to get blood or give antibiotics or fluids. And I was really horrible at this. I could not put them in and I was beside myself sort of apologizing to the patients for using them as a pin cushion and begging the anesthetic registrar to come and help me and just frustrated families and having to say sorry. So I felt really guilty that it should be a pretty simple procedure on my side and it was so hard for me and for me it became a huge priority putting IVs in really well and sort of giving needle procedures and injections and and all those sorts of things that we see as doctors as something small and every day but it is actually a really big thing for patients. Yeah and especially when you have to do it a fair bit too you know for all those poor patients that have to have a lot of procedures and needles. Exactly. And so when I started to specialise in paediatrics, it was just suddenly a whole different ball game. Like suddenly the three millimetre vein target becomes like a millimetre and it was also very unpredictable and a moving target. And what I learnt really was that, you know, the success with a lot of these needle procedures is getting the patient prepared for it and how do you calm them down and get them to trust you enough to, to put their arm out and for you to poke them. I'd have to say after hundreds if not thousands of needles I end up being pretty good at them and learning sort of the techniques around that and Paul who was my uh, co-founder is an adult respiratory doctor and he said what do you do to all these kids you must traumatize them terribly to kind of have patients that grow up into adults who are needle phobic and it's pretty common it's about 20 percent of patients and so we ended up deciding that virtual reality was a really interesting technology because not only does it cover the eyes but it also gives an opportunity to reimagine the different sensations in a much more positive way and give a lot more control back to the patient and we ended up working with a digital health company that worked for Disney and Sesame Street and we actually worked with them to develop our first our first product. That's spectacular. So when patients put the VR goggles on, you've just talked about the company that creates what they're looking at. What are they seeing? Yeah, so we worked with about 100 kids and their families as well as a lot of clinicians. And we said to children, you know, where would you like to escape if you could escape the procedure room? Um, and 90% of kids said they want to go underwater. So we said, great, let's go underwater. And we broke down the needle procedure into its different steps and said, so when you're putting on that tourniquet, what does that feel like? Kids would say maybe it feels like a diving band. And um, if you're getting the antiseptic wash, what does that feel like? And they said waves washing over your arms. And then the needle going in, what does that feel like? And as you can imagine with kids, they came up with 
lots of really interesting answers. Um, but the most uh, useful one we thought was actually fish nibbling because they can imagine it as something that's scary if they want to or something that's pretty painless and, and different people have different levels of pain. And so, yeah, we thought that that was a really good way of reframing it. So the child will look at some fish the fish come in and nibble at their arms and they can see those arms virtually the whole virtual reality world is kind of framed and synchronized to what's actually happening in the real procedure that's excellent is it something that you use with adults also asking for a friend (laughs) that's right exactly it is very common in adults we do we've developed this over time so it started with kids and and we also had teenagers asking for it and then adults as well so we do have a version for adults which is much more kind of mindfulness related um, but it's the same concepts Rightly so. SmileyScope has won a fair amount of awards. I look them all up. I won't list them because it will take a while. If you had to pinpoint a factor or you had to credit a factor in the success of SmileyScope, what do you think it would be? I think it's a really simple solution that solves a problem. There are a lot of companies out there that have really cool tech that they're trying to find a a problem to solve. And often I think for us it was really because we were clinicians looking for a way we could solve our own problem, we were really open to what technologies we would use. We happened to stumble on one that's a pretty sexy technology as well. So I think that helps. (laughs) Probably one of the greatest rewards that you would experience and certainly that I saw in research was just the patient feedback and the patient experiences you've mentioned. Do you have a standout story from a patient's experience? One that really stood out to me was a child who was incredibly scared of needles um, and she had to get weekly blood tests and she was hiding under the table. She was that upset about it and her dad sort of introduced her to VR they were a bit nervous because it was a clinical trial and because they're randomized they weren't sure which group they were going to be in so it was a bit of uncertainty she happened to be in the virtual reality group and she had this fantastic experience and she sort of took the glasses off smiling which was pretty amazing and her dad was actually the one in tears and he was like you know she's had over 300 blood tests and this is the first time she hasn't cried which was Yeah, which is really amazing. I can absolutely understand why her dad was crying. Imagine that, you know, turning something so traumatic. That must have been so hard on him to watch 300 times. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm interested to ask you especially, what do you think, you know, when your mind wanders, what do you think modern medicine can do better in terms of patient care and empathy? Patient care and empathy really is at the heart of what we all do and why we get into healthcare. But I think sometimes it can get really difficult when you've got all these other competing factors like time pressures and funding and staffing shortages. Some of the exciting innovations around patient healthcare is sort of being able to take off some of the load away from clinicians in having to do lengthy notes or, or having to type out a lot of information a few times and all those sorts of innovations that can kind of take clinicians back to sort of what they love doing, which is the patient-facing work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's some exciting developments in that area. You've now moved into this consulting side of things, looking at the medical industry from the perspective of being the co-founder of SmileyScope. Do you find that in being a businesswoman now and a business leader now, that you've had to develop really quickly some new skills or, you know, you've had to really throw yourself into some things that you didn't really have to do in the medical field? Have you given yourself a bit of a crash course in in business leadership, as it were? Yeah, definitely. Medicine is quite defined and I think startup is incredibly under 
define. So they're a very different world. Probably there's been a huge amount that I've learned in the business world. And I think surrounding myself with various mentors and people to just bounce ideas off other startup co-founders, you just learn a lot of information. And I think always listening to, to the customer and their feedback and their concerns, as well as sort of how do you structure a business model to work with budgets, all of that I've just sort of learned along the way. But probably one of the biggest things is sort of changing your mindset and attitude. As doctors, you're always projecting out likelihood scenarios and percentage of something disastrous to occur. We're trained to be cautious so that you don't miss a cancer or an unusual diagnosis. But I think I was sort of lucky enough to to also be exposed to a very different side. So, for example, I had a really interesting meeting with someone called John McCormathain, who was the founder of Trader Classified. And he said, you have to kind of keep pushing yourself to not always be comfortable with what you do and just to keep learning. And I think that was a really important lesson. One of the things that struck me was how quickly and how fantastically you got stakeholder buy-in. And I think that sets you apart slightly that very early from the get-go, you created buy-in from a lot of very important hospitals and stakeholder groups. How did you go about structuring that and setting that up and who did you decide to approach and, and how did you frame that up and when did you decide to go to different stakeholders in the early days? Yeah, I think we were lucky in the sense that because we started this very much as a clinical project, we sort of already created those relationships with people who had then seen the benefits of it and really didn't think about sort of a business plan or how we would create this until much later when we're actually taking some of the equipment away after the clinical trial and people turned and said, you know, how much is it or can we get get one for our department as well? And really suddenly realised we should quickly come up with a business plan and and think about the implementation strategy more. You know, having the buy-in and some great support from an initial hospitals and then when they see the sort of clinical benefit, we found a number of clinical champions would then go on and speak to their colleagues and it would kind of just continue to grow organically that way. So we've been really lucky. Yeah, such a unique thing to have a product-centred business, but to have the product before the business and sort of know that the product works and, you know, usually structuring risk management plans around a product launch onto market, for example, but such a lovely thing to hear that it, it went the other way around for you. You've been a client of the Entrepreneurs Program who are the sponsor of our podcast and a wonderful sponsor at that. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in the program and how they've helped you? So I think I've been incredibly lucky. We had uh, two very strong female advisors from the Entrepreneurs Program. So one was with the Accelerating Commercialization Grant. Our advisor, Elaine, had founded and led a company, a biomed company, and had a whole range of sort of knowledge around that, but was also willing to kind of really go the extra mile and put me up for the Bio Melbourne Award and um, all sorts of things like that to kind of increase our exposure and and strengthen our community ties. Mm. And similarly, we had uh, Chris Cusson, who works on the business growth side of the Entrepreneurs Program. And so she was sort of really looking at our business plan and understanding the gaps and where she could help support so that we could grow our partnerships and, and distribution. And she was a wonderful resource from kind of the pharma world. So we've been really lucky having them on board. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after a message from our partner, Aussie Industries Entrepreneurs Program. The Entrepreneurs Program can get you from where you are to where you want to be. Our team of independent business experts can help you bring your ideas and innovations to life. We've got the tools and the networks to get you on the way. 
and you may be eligible for funding to make it happen. To find out how the Entrepreneurs Program can help you take your business to the next level, visit business.gov.au forward slash EP or call 13 28 46. Welcome back to Next Generation Innovators, where my guest today is Dr. Evelyn Chan from SmileyScope. So in terms of SmileyScope, it's obviously Australian born, but you've moved overseas. Can you tell us a little bit about going international? Early on, we knew that the paediatric market in Australia is reasonably small. And given there's a huge impetus on patient experience in other countries, that we would be looking to those other countries pretty quickly. And so we actually, again, had organic interest from some big hospitals in the US who had heard us uh, present our research. They said, you know, come and talk to us about how you thought about the virtual reality experiences and structure. And so we ended up sort of working quite closely with them. So we set up in the US and sort of ended up flipping up into an American company uh, late in 2019. Okay, so that takes us to 2019. And dare I ask, I was wondering whether or not I would, but can you tell us a little bit about, you know, 2020 and COVID? Has that affected the business? And if so, what have you done to move past it? And and what did it look like for you last year? We raised our funds sort of end of 2019. So we were all ready to grow. We started hiring. We did all of the things that we were excited about to have a huge 2020. (laughs) Um, And like everyone else, I think it was probably not the one we expected. We were very lucky. We went back to the board and we had a serious conversation and said, you know, what do you think we should do given the circumstances? And they said, look, we're still very bullish about digital health and the long-term prospects. And they, they backed us. So we decided to continue to grow and expand. Obviously, our hospital customers were engaged and busy with other things, but we've definitely seen as restrictions and as lockdown had improved that customers have also been really keen to get back to it. We've seen some good growth in our product and development and relationship building, and I think 2021 will be a huge year for us. And so for this year coming up, in terms of product development, in terms of expansion, in terms of SmileyScope as a whole, what's next? What's the exciting things that are going to be happening? We're really focused on growing the revenue, so of our core products that we've created. So we now have, you know, over 20 VR experiences that cover a number of medical procedures as well as provide relaxation and wellness in hospitals. So that's a huge focus for us and we have a big waiting list that our um, amazing team is currently working through. From the product side, we're also developing some really interesting products. And two that I might mention would be, one is around the COVID vaccine. So a two-dose vaccine, it can be painful and there is a bit of apprehension around that. And so we know that a number, about 7% of patients don't go get their flu vax because of pain primarily. That's something that we're working on. And the second is around medical imaging, being able to help patients, both children and adults, to prepare for procedures like MRIs. Oh, of course. I hadn't thought about MRIs and children lying still. And oh, that would be wonderful. I've I've had one myself and have felt quite um, stuck in there, to be absolutely honest. So a trip to the rainforest would have been quite nice. <laughs> Yeah, we can't use the MRI. Uh, so we can't use the virtual reality in the MRI machine itself at the moment. But what mm-hmm. we can do is give kind of kids and adults a mock MRI experience so they can kind of figure out what it feels like, certain games to help them keep still, also sort of a, a, almost like a realistic walkthrough. So 
they don't get to the MRI and then freak out about it. Well, I could have most certainly used that 100%. (laughs) Uh, You are an incredibly successful woman. For women that are out there that are running businesses, can can you just have a chat through some of the challenges that you faced and how you've overcome those? I think when you first start a business, probably one of the most overwhelming things is the number of things you have to do to push the company forward on every front, whether that be strategic or regulatory or governance or sales. And so there's just so much to do and and so few people to do it. And so probably one of my big challenges was hiring and finding the right people because you want them to be excellent at what they do, but also really quick learners who are comfortable wearing a lot of hats and comfortable working in uncertainty. And they're sort of people that are pretty rare to find. One of the challenges, but also the exciting opportunities was being able to find the right people to build your team and your culture. And when you think about, you know, the first person you hire, I mean, essentially that's half the company, right? So they're 50% of your culture, 50% of your work ethic. They do hopefully 50% of the work as well. So taking the time to think about who you need and the skill sets and what would complement the ones that you bring in is something that I keep in mind and I've become more mindful of over time. There was someone who told me, you know, you've got to distinguish between important tasks and urgent tasks and really put them on a matrix. There's a lot of urgent tasks that aren't important and can you deprioritize those and can you really push up the important urgent tasks and do those first? That was really helpful advice. That's an excellent piece of advice. And you know what really stands out to me from what you said is that when you hire your first person, they're 50% of your culture. That's exactly true and pretty phenomenal as a comment, actually. Which role did you hire first, just out of interest? Yes, we went for a head of operations. As someone said to me once, I don't hire roles, I hire expert generalists. And that's all I hire. And I thought that was fantastic. They sort of craft their own role once they come in. I thought that was really clever because obviously so many hats build that you have that expectation there and great people will rise to it all the time. And so Evelyn, what's your one piece of advice that you would impart upon them? The one that I say the most is just give it a go. I think there are a lot of people who sit on the fence and um and ah and go, oh, but You know, it's easier where I am currently, but I think you'll always be left wondering. Get out there and give it a go and and do your best. I agree. What have you to lose? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Evelyn Chan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much for joining us. And we wish you all the best with Smiley Scope. And I look forward to walking into any hospital and it just being such a commonplace solution to, to so many things. It is wonderful in its simplicity as a beautiful solution to a very big discomfort for many people. So congratulations on your success and thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, Alicia. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening. Next Generation Innovators is a future women podcast in partnership with Oz Industries Entrepreneurs Program. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you could leave a rating and review as it helps people to find us and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. As always, we'll see you next week.